We live in a world filled with love stories. I'm told this past weekend there was some sort of a wedding that happened across the pond. Probably at least half of you in this audience were really focused and interested in that. But it seems to me as we think about love stories, about 90% of those love stories are found on the Hallmark Channel. But can I be honest with you? I don't like the Hallmark Channel nearly as much as my wife loves the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) And it seems like on the Hallmark Channel, the movies are all the same. You know how the plot goes. Boy meets girl. They fall in love. But then there's some sort of issue, some sort of hiccup, and the relationship hangs in the balance until the very end when they work everything out and they live, help me out here, happily ever after. And yet the truth of the matter is, not all love stories end that way. Some love stories are filled with heartbreak and betrayal and pain. And we know love can break our hearts. And that may be one of the reasons we're drawn to passages in the New Testament like Luke chapter 15. It's a story of a dad who loves these two boys. Uh, And he has great hopes for these two boys. And one day, one of the boys comes to him and says, Dad, I want you to give me my inheritance. It's as if this younger son is saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. And so the dad amazingly gives the boy his inheritance before he dies. And that boy can't get out of town fast enough. And he gets out of town, and the father's heart breaks. And we can relate to that dad, can't we? The dad knows his son is is really in a very bad place, doing bad things, and yet every day that father wonders, is this the day my boy comes home? Is this the day my son comes to his senses? And so every day, that father, he he looks across the plain, he's on his balcony, he's looking across the way, wondering, will this be the day he sees his son? And finally, one day, he sees the boy. He can tell by the walk, he can tell that the boy's head is down. He knows that's his son, and that father runs to meet him. Every parent in this room can relate to that father's heartbreak, but also we can relate to that father's joy when the son comes back home. And even though love at times can cause us a lot of pain, we don't give up on love. We sing about it. We long to experience it. We get up in the middle of the night to watch the royal wedding. I mean, we do all sorts of things because we love a great love story. And I think the greatest love story ever told is the story that you find in your, in your New Testament. It's the story you find in not just the New Testament, the Old Testament as well. It's the story we find in the Bible. This book, at its heart, is a love story. And if you read the plot line closely, you'll see it's a story of passion and of sacrifice and of deep love. And really the key idea for today's message, it's in our reading this week, is this. We believe all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the key verse is the most well-known verse in our Bibles. It's John chapter 3 and verse 16. And more than likely you can quote it. 
But I would like for us to begin today by all saying that verse together. So would you, it's going to be on the screen behind us, go ahead and put the verse up. Would you stand with me as we all say this verse together? Let's just read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You may be seated. And there are a lot of words we could emphasize in that simple verse. Uh, We could emphasize the word God, because really this verse is about how God feels about us. We could emphasize the word love, how deep in God's heart a love wells up. Or we could emphasize the word world. God loves the world. But he doesn't just love the nations or love all of humanity. He's crazy about me. And he's crazy about you. God loves all of us. Or maybe we could emphasize the word gave. And we could talk about the kind of sacrifice that that Jesus did on our behalf because of how he felt about us. All those are important words and important ideas found in that verse. But the word that jumped off the page at me this week as I thought about John 3.16 for just a moment is a word that we don't often think about. It's a word that we very quickly look over as we read this verse. It's not a very big word, yet I would suggest in that verse it is very, very significant. It's the little word, so. God doesn't just love the world. No, he, he so loves us. For God so loved the world. So is an adverb of degree. Have you ever seen a mom or dad who has a bad case of the so loves for their children? Last Sunday, as you know, it was Mother's Day. My mother's been gone now for nine years. Coming up on nine years. It'll be nine years uh, in September. And every time Mother's Day comes along, I'm reminded again of her amazing love for her kids. My mom had this incredible case of so loves for her children. I remember one time when I was playing baseball, I was in junior high, and I hit the ball, and I'm I'm streaking down toward first. I mean, I'm trying to beat this this hit out, and, and I can hear above the crowd my mom. And though no one else is standing, my mom is standing. And my mother had this real strong voice, kind of like my voice. I think I get my voice from my mom's side of the family. Lower voices, strong voices. My mom is standing. And she's saying, run, 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 run. And, you know, the decibels, like 1,500 decibels. I mean, above the crowd, I can hear her. And I I make it to first. In fact, I, I pass first and I'm on my way to second I make it to second I'm on my way to third and I hear my mother she's still standing she's still clapping run 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 and finally I make it to third and I'm 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 headed around third and suddenly my mom is coming out of the crowd and now she's up next to the chain link fence and she's running with me stride for stride I mean she's running along saying run 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 I said mom mom stop go back up into the crowd And I made a decision that day. I made the decision I would never be that kind of parent. But the amazing thing is now I have three boys and I am that parent. And so about, I don't know, when Reed, our middle boy, was in junior high, 
on the football team, and I'm running the chains. I'm on the chain gang. And you know, you're supposed to be non-biased. You're supposed to just sort of stand there, you know, with, with the, the, if you have the box, you have the box, or maybe you have, you know, in the front, you have the, the chain, and, and Reed, they hand Reed the ball. And, and Reed gets around the edge, and he's coming over near me, and, I, and I've got the box. And suddenly, I find myself, I'm like my mom. I'm yelling, run, run, run. And I promise you, I drop that box, and I'm running with Reed in stride. I am that parent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this week I've been praying and thinking how I could help all of us see and experience this, this amazing, passionate, relentless, crazy love that God has for each and every one of us. And I thought about an Old Testament story. It's found in your reading today, in your Believe book. It's a really strange Old Testament story. And it's the book of Hosea. It's the most powerful story of God's love outside of the cross. Oh, certainly, the cross of Jesus is the greatest demonstration of the love of God. But, but Hosea, Hosea shows us something of God's love too. If the Gospels explore the meaning of God becoming human, Hosea helps humans see what it means to be God. Hosea is one of these minor prophets, but, but don't... Don't misunderstand, there's nothing minor about the message found in Hosea. Hosea lived 750 years before the time of Jesus, lived in the 8th century. His strange story begins for us in chapter 1 and verse 2 where it says, like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Now immediately my interest is piqued by this powerful image. Israel is like an adulterous wife. When God chooses Israel as his bride, he makes promises and commitments to her. The only problem is he's the only one keeping his word. And Israel is drawn after other lovers. Israel is, is sharing the marriage bed with someone else. And as a kind of living illustration, God tells Hosea, this, this 8th century prophet, to do this rather strange thing. Thing. This is one of the strangest requests you will ever find in your Bible. God says to Hosea, I, I want you to go find a wife. So far, so good. This prophet needs a wife, needs someone to support and encourage and, and bless him. But God says, Hosea, I don't want you just to choose any wife. I want you to go to the seedy part of town. I want you to go to the red light district. I want you to go to the area that most good people don't frequent. I want you to go to a brothel. And from there, I want you to choose a wife. I don't want you to go to eHarmony.com. I don't want you to go to Christian Mingle. I don't want you to go even to Match.com. I don't want you to choose someone that, that you would be proud to bring home to mom and dad. Mom, dad, this is, this is my, my wife-to-be. I don't want any of that for you. I want you to go and find a prostitute. I don't want you to take her to be your bride. And so Hosea does just that. He goes and he finds this person by the name of 
Gomer. Gomer? What a name. Don't think Jim Neighbors. Don't think Gomer Pyle. This Gomer may have been a very beautiful woman. And he offers her his honor, respect. He offers her the dignity of becoming his wife. And she is shocked and she is amazed. She can't believe her good fortune. But Hosea chooses her to love. And we don't know Gomer's background. Uh, We don't know if uh, she was abused as a child and so she had a a low self-esteem and as a result she went into this kind of lifestyle. Uh, We don't know if uh, her dad maybe died and as a result uh, the mom, um, you know, really had a hard time making ends meet and so the daughter went into that lifestyle. We don't know if she had maybe a drug habit and so she had to find a way to fund that drug habit. Don't know really much about her background, but we, we do know what she did for a living. Hosea chooses her. And she now has all the things that she really desperately wanted. She has security. She has someone to love. For the first time, intimacy is not about making money, but it's about expressing love and unity in the marriage. And the years pass, and Hosea gives Gomer more than his name. He gives her his more than money, more than security. Gomer eventually, or Hosea rather, eventually gives Gomer his heart. And the marriage, as, as strange as it sounds and strange as it looks, the, the marriage seems to be working. And so after a while, they, they have one child, they have a baby boy, and then a baby girl is born, and then finally another baby boy is born. Routine develops, things seem to be going well. Don't know how long time how long it was maybe a few years but one day Hosea comes home and Gomer's not there he goes into the bedroom she's not there he looks in the kitchen she's not there he goes into the kids bedrooms she's not there and he wonders huh wonder where wonder where Gomer is I didn't realize she had something to do this afternoon maybe she ran an errand so he waits a while and an hour or two passes and She's nowhere to be found. He thinks, well, maybe she went over to a neighbor's house. So he goes to the neighbor's house and looks there, and she's not there. And it slowly begins to dawn on him. He doesn't want to believe it. The sun's starting to go down. And he decides to go looking for her. And so Hosea, he goes to the seedy district goes to that part of town that good people don't visit. He goes to that area he had eventually, where he'd met her before. He goes there and he looks for her. Ah, he sees her. And he sees her arms draped around a man. And he watches as his wife walks in to a house of prostitution. And Hosea begins to weep. And Hosea is devastated. His heart is shattered in a million different pieces. And he begins to ask himself all kinds of questions. What was it that drew her back to that old lifestyle? I thought thought she felt loved and valued, and I thought she felt honor by me. And I would expect the story to end right here. 
I would expect God to say, or I would expect Hosea to say, that's it. This time it's over. She had a good thing, and yet she has blown it. She doesn't appreciate all the things I've done for her. She doesn't appreciate the love I have given to her. And then I would expect Hosea to become just a little bit angry at this point. His hurt turns into anger. And I would expect Hosea to go home and to find her stuff, to find her clothes, and to to dump those clothes out on the street. I would expect him to to say, I I can't wait for this thing to be over. I can't get the divorce papers ready quick enough. And that may be what he wanted to do. But God speaks to him. And in Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1, this is what the Lord says. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. And though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. See, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Hosea says, Lord, I want you to go back to the red light district. I want you to find her. I want you to go to the man she is now working for as a prostitute. I want you to pay him. I want you to buy her back. And I want you to take her home with you. Take her back where she belongs. And maybe you can imagine Hosea's response. It doesn't say, but, but I wonder, did he respond, Lord, if I take her home, and if she, she gets involved with another man and breaks my heart, I don't know if I can take it, Lord, a second time. And the Lord looks at Hosea, and he says, now you know, Hosea. Now you, now you begin to understand how, how I feel. When my people, when my bride Israel The people I love break covenant with me. And Hosea goes back. And though they were married and though she was his, he buys her back. And he takes her home. Here's what I want you to know today as we think about this powerful story found in Hosea. I want you to know that that you can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. God's love for you is tenacious and relentless. There's a a little word, it's a a Hebrew word, it's used six times in this book uh, we know as Hosea, just a few chapters. It's the word hesed, hesed. And it's a word that's often translated love, but it has this idea of of loyalty, of kindness. It it has a love that's committed. It's more of like a a committed kind of love. And that's what we're to understand about God's love. Who is Hosea? Do you know what the name Hosea means? It means he saved. It's the same root you find in Joshua or Jesus. Who is Hosea? He is Jesus. Just as Hosea goes looking for the, 
the prostitute wife and buys her back. Do you realize that's what Jesus has done for us? He won't stop looking for us. He goes into the most despicable, filthy places until he finds us and he pays the price so the relationship can be restored. That's Jesus. And Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is not giving up on us. You may have come into this place and you think, I'm too far away from God. I've, been too, I've done too much. I've committed too much sin. My heart's so far away. I can never come back. And maybe we need to read the story of Hosea and be reminded of Hosea's love for Gomer. Who is Gomer? It's me. I'm the unfaithful one. I'm the one who's been allured by other lovers. I'm the one who's all too often drawn back into that previous life. Jesus is my Hosea. He paid the price for me. He comes looking for me, and he's willing to take me back. And so at one time, Jesus is at Matthew's house eating, and he's eating with with what the religious folk called the riffraff. He's eating with folks that that the religious people didn't want to get near. And they have all kinds of questions. And these religious leaders ask, why does he do this? They don't understand Jesus. And Jesus looks at them in Matthew chapter 9 and he says this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come not to call righteous, but sinners. Do you know who Jesus is quoting here? He's quoting Hosea. Jesus is my Hosea. Hosea means salvation. Gomer, Gomer means completion. And so I'm wondering today, if you've come into this place, you might feel a little bit empty. You might feel like there's something missing in your life. I'm here to tell you that another relationship won't fill that deepest part. I'm here to tell you that a better job won't fill it. I'm here to tell you that money won't fill it. The drugs and alcohol won't fill it. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart, and the only person big enough to fill that empty place in our heart is Jesus. And Jesus is in pursuit of us. John 3.16 says for God God so loved the world you see the book of Hosea it's a microcosm of the bigger story it's a microcosm of the biggest story of the love that God has for his people and friends he's pursuing us he pursued us all the way to a cross 